Say this with me. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. And we could say it one more time. Greater is he that is in me than he that is within the world. Having said this, and with our scripture in mind, I'll be speaking today from the subject, the lion in Daniel's den. The lion in Daniel's den. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. We've heard this before, and I've had you say it simply because it's something that we are very common hearing. It is why John says, listen, this is why you need to understand that if you believe in Christ, then you need to know that greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. So no matter what may come against you, despite all the naysayers and the backbiters that you confront, despite the false friends who act one way when you're with them and a completely different way when you are away from them, despite the people that plot all manner of evil against you, despite the debt collectors and the tax collectors and despite Despite the spirit of greed and rebellion and religion and envy and jealousies, even the Antichrist themselves take comfort in knowing that despite all of these negative forces, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Now, John is saying you've already overcome all of them. Now, we can say this as many times as we like. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We can say it as often, and I had you say it a couple of times before as the sermon was progressing, because we can say these words, and the truth of the matter is sometimes we can say it, and you get excited when you hear it, and that's okay. But here is the question. When, when, when the hard times come, and you are wrestling in the midst of your storms, when, when you feel as if you're down to your last dime and you can't see your way out. When you have failed to change a destructive habit every time you try to stop. Basically, when the rubber meets the road, do you really believe that greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world? I ask the question because these kinds of things come across as really nice church words. But what does it really mean and how do you make sense of something great within you when your situations seem to be getting worse and worse every single day? Where is that greatness that John talks about and how does it really work? Can, can that great in me pay my rent or my mortgage? Can that great in me feed my family? Can that great in me preacher that you keep talking about, can that find me a job? How exactly does that great in me really work? And you see, my brothers and my sisters, I'm setting something up for you here because sometimes we go to churches and we hear preachers talk and we can say these wonderful words, but what does it really mean when you walk through the door? When you walk out of the wonderful sanctuary where the singing is wonderful and everything is ha and everyone is happy and then you go out and you face the reality of life. Where is that greater then? Where is that God that you're talking about, preacher? Because right now I'm going through something and I can't feel it. Well, that's right. 
This is the reason why it's good now for us to take a look at the sixth chapter in the book of Daniel. And my prayer is that somewhere in this message, you're going to hear something that lets you know that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. And it not just be nice church words from a preacher in the pulpit. By way of background, Daniel had gotten to the point in his life where he was now serving under a new king by the name of Darius. Darius, like all of the other kings before him, recognized that this guy Daniel, this exile from Judah, this person, there was something really unique about this particular man called Daniel. He had a lot of integrity and a lot of wisdom. And all the kings before Darius recognized this unique quality about this upstanding man called Daniel. At this stage in Daniel's life, he was about 90 years old. And he had served Babylon, and he had served with distinction faithfully since Nebuchadnezzar was king. Daniel did everything that was asked of him in a foreign land. He was taken out of his home in Judah and brought to a place where he was actually a prisoner. But because of his skill and his wisdom, his intellect, his integrity, his uprightness, he was just always getting a lot of favor from these kings. So, knowing the history of Daniel, Darius, the king, is looking at this 90-year-old man. And he decides now that he's going to take Daniel and two other of his commissioners, and he's going to make them princes or rather rulers over all of his kingdom. So Daniel, this exile from Judah, is now going to be in charge of one-third of the kingdom of Darius. Now, Daniel, you know, there comes a time where you can be so gifted and so talented and so anointed that people see you and they start to go, what's up with that? So the king now, Darius, sees the wonderful work that Daniel is doing in one-third of the kingdom, and something enters into the heart of the king. He says, you know something? We need a reorganization. So he decides now that he's going to eliminate the other two positions and make Daniel commissioner over the whole kingdom. Now, it doesn't take a whole stretch of the imagination to know that the other two commissioners wasn't feeling too good about that. So, watch this. In their fit of rage, they decide now that they would meet with some Russians in Trump Tower to see if they could dig up some dirt on Daniel. The, 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 the problem was, however, they couldn't find any scandal in Daniel's past. You see, Daniel had not paid off any porn star to cover up his infidelity. He did not represent the crowd size at the coronation in Babylon. He, he did not use a Sharpie marker pen to exaggerate the impact of the coming sandstorm. You, you, you see, as a matter of fact, Daniel did such good work that all he wanted to do was to give the people of the kingdom of Babylon a, a, a affordable health care, something he called Daniel care. I, I know you're hearing what I'm saying. You see, you can be so good and strong in your character that even if you've done nothing wrong, people try to undo everything that you had been doing in the first place. I hope the church is hearing me. You see, there's nothing new under the sun. 
But the point I'm making is that Daniel was upright and upstanding. And as much as they tried to intimidate and to try to do all of these things and say all these things against Daniel, God had his hand on Daniel. Daniel's character was squeaky clean. Yet despite all this, the commissioners and the satraps devised a new plan now to, to get Daniel out of the way. And so they said, listen, we can't find anything in his history. And so the only way that we're going to get to Daniel is we've got to attack him and his God. What an amazing testimony that you could serve God in such a way that the only way that people can attack you is if they can attack your faith in God. But here's what they didn't know about Daniel. They didn't know that Daniel, as far as he was concerned, Daniel was saying, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. That's Daniel's faith. So they conspired and they went to the king, challenging the king now to issue a royal decree, a decree that could not be altered, a decree that stated that anyone in the kingdom who prays to any god or any man other than the king for the next 30 days would be executed. Now let me pause here for a moment. Because I want to show you something in the text that many of you are familiar with the story of Daniel and the lion's den, yes? Many of you are familiar. You heard about the story. But I want to I show you something in the text that you might not necessarily have seen. You might have glossed over. In the sixth chapter, at the sixth verse, here's what it says. Then these commissioners and satraps, these are the people who ain't like Daniel, came by agreement to the king. Did you see that? These people came by what? Agreement to the king. That's the sixth verse. Now look at what it says in the 11th verse. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king. Do you see it? These men, what did they do? They came by what? Agreement. Here's what it says now in the 15th chapter. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king. Do you see a pattern here? These men did what? They came by agreement. This tells me that every time before they decide to go to see the king, they all had to first be in agreement. So what's the significance of this, pastor? What does this really mean? I'm telling you, it points to a spiritual truth that if you understand it and if you get it, you might learn something. Watch this. Nothing works in the kingdom except there is first agreement. Nothing moves in the kingdom unless there is first agreement. This is true for the kingdom of heaven as much as it is true for the kingdom of darkness. There is a power in agreement. And whether or not it's being led by the spirit of God or by the spirit of Antichrist does not change the fact that once two or more come together in agreement and on one accord, you will find power. It's one of the reasons why even in a marriage, when there is no agreement between the two, things fall apart. But the moment they come into agreement, they are able to change the very dynamics of their lives. And so it is in this case, the kingdom of darkness is using the power of agreement to influence the king. 
And it's very important, brothers and sisters, that you understand what I'm saying to you. So, 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 so if you want to know how to keep your homes and your lives free from satanic attacks, of course you should read your Bible, but also pay attention to the groups that are forming in agreement around you. You see, if two or more come into agreement without the Spirit of God, then you don't know, you don't even need to guess who is in their midst. So, so the king issued the decree and declared that anyone who prayed to a god or to any person other than himself would be executed. But the king went a step further. He talks about how they're going to be executed, and that was they would be what? Thrown to the lions. Now, when the king issued this decree, now remember I said the king was very fond of Daniel, remember? When the king issued this decree, he did not know that it was going to impact the life of his good friend, Daniel. But the truth is, the king himself, as wonderful as he may be, did not know that greater is he that is in Daniel than he that is in the world. But when Daniel heard about all of this, when he heard about this decree, Daniel immediately went to pray. Daniel did the very thing that contradicted the very decree that the king issued. The king said, no one is to pray. So Daniel immediately went to pray. In fact, Dan, the text tells us Daniel prayed three times a day. And if that weren't bad enough, Daniel prayed with the window open towards Jerusalem. <laughs> so Daniel, as far as we're concerned, was a man of prayer. Now, 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 let's be clear here, brothers and sisters. Just think about it. I want you to get in the text. They say, listen, anybody who prayed to God, you're going to die. You're going to be thrown to the lion. Daniel hears this, and Daniel says, wow, I need to pray. Did y'all get that? If anybody pray to their God, they're going to be thrown to the lions. Let me see how I can solve this problem. Let me pray. The truth there, brothers and sisters, is sometimes when your faith is being tested, the very thing that you are called to not do is the very thing that you need to do. You see, when you're asking God to help you to, to, to deal with a difficult person, and God says to you, go forgive them. We don't want to do what God has, tells us to do. But when you do that which you shouldn't do, that God is calling you to do, that is the place of your blessing. So the text says, Daniel, open the window. Now, could Daniel have prayed in secret? Why wouldn't Daniel go pray in secret? Why would Daniel not go and say, you know what? Lord, and pray. Nobody needed to know. He could come out and he could be wonderful with the king. But Daniel didn't think praying was enough. <laughs> Let me open the window and pray where everybody can see Daniel. And when I was studying this, I was thinking to myself, why would Daniel do this? And the only answer I came up with is simply this. 
for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Daniel was a man of prayer, but Daniel, who was about to face a major test to challenge the very foundation of his faith. Daniel, a man who had done nothing wrong, did his best in serving the king. Daniel, a man who remained faithful to God and to his calling. A man who was upright with integrity did not flinch in his faith. He stood steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord despite what they were saying. Why? Because greater is he that is in him than he that is in the world. But what you need to understand, my brothers and my sisters, is that sometimes you can be doing the very thing that God has asked you to do. And you may be operating perfectly in the will of God. And yet something or someone will come along and attempt to destroy everything that you have worked hard to build. I'm talking, I'm talking about you working hard to maintain your integrity and to develop a good reputation. And I don't know where someone comes along and accuses you of something that you had nothing to do with or you don't even know anything about. And even if you are found not guilty, even if you are exonerated, there are some accusations that people will say, lay at you that never goes away and becomes a stain on your character forever. You see, all it takes is somebody to just mess up your good name. All it takes is somebody to just say something that is not true and it starts a chain reaction that you can almost never get back. This is why slander and gossip is so abhorrent to our God. This is why he hates it. He hates it because it becomes a situation where when demons grab a hold of it, it's almost impossible to get that genie back in the bottle. I'm talking about being attacked even when you have been trying to do the right thing. Have you ever been there? Listen, many of you here are either going through a difficulty in your life or maybe even coming out of a difficulty. But let's be clear, every one of us in here, you are getting ready to go into a difficulty whether you know it or not. It is coming and it will come through no fault of your own. Are you hearing me, church? So now, Daniel was a man of prayer and he was anchored in God. So Daniel prayed. Now, as a result of this decree, as we read earlier, Daniel is now thrown in the lion's den for simply doing the right thing, for standing strong in his convictions. But from a purely human perspective, this is what I want you to know, because the text is very clear. The text tells us a lot of things. Here's the first thing the text tells us. It tells us that the king's law was supported by the Medes and the Persians. What that means is that once the king issued the decree, it could never, ever be changed, not even by the king himself. That's number one. Secondly, you need to know that they said a large stone was placed over the mouth of the den, and it was placed there so that Daniel could not escape. 
And then the third thing they did, Jesse, was they put now clay on the stone, and then the king went as far as to use his ring to make it a seal, and he had all of his generals do the very same thing. So in other words, you needed to know that this was an official act by the king, and it could not be broken. So the point I'm making is Daniel was in an impossible situation. Daniel had no way out. No one was going to come to Daniel's aid. Johnny Cochran couldn't help Daniel in this situation. Daniel was cut off. Daniel was done. Daniel had good friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They couldn't help him. It made no difference even that Daniel was a friend of the king. Because the king had issued a decree. Daniel was in an impossible situation and there was no way out. Daniel's destiny was filled with lions. We're reminded at this time that the Bible says Satan walks around like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. So the plan was Daniel was to be devoured by Satan simply because of exercising his faith. Listen, my beloved, serving God faithfully will bring certain lions out of their dens into your lives. If you are faithful enough to God, rest assured that persecution will come even from Satan himself. Daniel was in the lion's den. Let me say that one more time because I want to make sure that you understand what I'm telling you as I speak to your spirits. Daniel was in the lion's den. Now, now, now before I go much further, ver verse 16 is very interesting. Verse 16 says this. The king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. Other translations say, may your God whom you serve continuously rescue you. Either way, that's quite a statement for the king who we're not sure is a believer to make. But if you look carefully, the king was really saying, Daniel, your God will see you through this. To me, this was a prayer. You see, may your God, whom you serve continuously, rescue you. Whatever this pagan king meant by that statement, I do not know. But what I do know is that the king was sad. And by him hoping for some miracle from God, from the God of Daniel, he inadvertently came into agreement with Daniel. You remember what I told you before, brothers and sisters, that then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king. Did I not tell you that? It also said that these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then, he, then they approached and spoke before the king. Did I not tell you that? I also told you that then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king. Did I not tell you all of that? And you see, this is what is important because there is power in 
agreement. So, so why is this significant, brothers and sisters? Because Matthew's gospel tells us that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So the king and Daniel came into agreement before they went to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There is power in agreement. So while Daniel was in the lion's den, the lion's den was not in Daniel. Daniel happened to be in the den of a roaring lion. But in Daniel's den lived another lion. This lion, my brothers and sisters, we know better as the lion of the tribe of Judah. This lion was in Daniel's den. You see, for in Daniel's den was uncompromising integrity. In Daniel's den was strategic prayer. In Daniel's den was faithful obedience. In Daniel's den, God is glorified. In Daniel's den was Jesus. That's the difference. Daniel was in the lion's den. But there was a lion in Daniel's den. Now listen, and we get ready to close. You don't have to literally be in a real lion's den to realize that you will face persecution at some point of your walk of faith. In fact, some of you here today may feel like you're facing some impossible situations. And as a result of that, you feel like giving up. Some of you are here maybe having major financial crises right now, and some of you may even be struggling with a crisis that is tied to a very important relationship you have with someone in your life. I don't know. Your family may be going through something or falling apart, and you're trying hard to hold things together. I don't know. Perhaps you're even a parent here, and you're worried about your children. I know what that is like because we experience that in even my very home. You may even have a health problem and you don't really know how to deal with it and for some of you it seems like no matter what you do there seems to be no way out the law is against you the tax man is coming the credit card bills it's overwhelming you're facing eviction things just seem to be falling apart there's an obstacle blocking your entire way but whatever your lion's den might be today. Or getting ready to be in the future. You may be on the verge of being thrown into a lion's den. My brothers and my sisters, what I'm saying is when you come face to face, to the point where you feel weak, defeated, broken, limited, can't go a step further. It is at that point you need to know that if God brought you to the lion's den, then God has a plan to deliver you from that den. 
When you come to the end of yourself, God knows that this is when you will be able to know him fully. It is only in dying to yourself that Christ can come alive in you. It is at that point now that you can stand and say faithfully, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't know what your lion's den may be. But the Bible tells us that when Daniel, I don't even know how Daniel got out of the den. But what the Bible tells me is that Daniel said, Oh king, live forever. The angel of the Lord came and closed the mouths of the lion. That's what the text said. If the angel of the Lord had to close the lion's mouth, it means that the lion's mouth was open. And ain't no lion going to open its mouth on things unless it's going to eat. So it's, the text wants you to know that these weren't happy lions. These were hungry lions. They had been waiting for wonderful meat like yours. They're waiting for you. Crouching at the door, moving around, seeking whom it may devour. Satan and his demons are after all of you. Because why? If they can stop you, then they will stop God's purposes. But you need to stand strong, knowing that there's a lion inside of you that is stronger than any roaring lion. And all you need to do is to wake that lion up. Because when that lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, that bright and morning star, Jesus himself, when he awakes, he will stop any storm or any lion in your path. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how much its mouth is open. I don't even care how hungry it is. All I know is that I need my Jesus. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have already overcome. You just don't know it yet. And so, my brothers and my sisters, I rejoice. Throw me in the den if you want. Throw me to the lions if you want. Because as I stated before, Daniel may be in the lion's den, but there was a lion in Daniel's den. Amen? May the Lord bless you, my beloved.